0: Visit www.baesystems.com slash fast Welcome to From the Crows Nest in our show daily episode here as we wrap up the third and final day of AOC 2021. I am your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows, and I'm joined here by my special co-host, Tala Alshabut. Welcome, Tala. Hi, Ken. And once again, we are here with Jesse Judge Bork to join us as we kind of go over some of the highlights and uh, of today's agenda. Welcome, Judge, to back on to From the Crows Nest.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right, well, we just wrapped up our third and final day here at AOC 2021, and uh, this morning got off to a great start with a keynote presentation with uh, Lieutenant General Clinton Hynote, the uh, Deputy Chief of Staff for Strategy Integration Requirements with the U.S. Air Force. I had the pleasure of sitting down with General Hynote shortly after his presentation, but I wanted to get your take on uh, some of his remarks this morning.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Ken and Tala. his comments this morning were uh, amazingly. This is it's a it's two days in a row. Uh, for the last three days, has been brilliant. But these two days in a row of the of the keynote speakers hitting on exactly the key pieces, uh, the, the the strategic narratives and the key messages that I think that we need to hear, uh, the 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 community of practice needs to hear and uh, need to understand is coming from the highest levels of the of the department. Um, General Hino was extremely, I thought he was a very uh, gracious and energetic speaker. And as the Air Force's chief futurist really, uh, really lived up to that role, one of the things that he said that really stuck with me uh, about midway through in his, uh, uh, in his wonderfully extemporaneous uh, 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 remarks were that every warrior in this world has to be a spectrum warrior. I think that's a, that is a key thing to, uh, for us to understand and that helps to signal that at least the Air Force and others in the uh, senior executive pay grades, uh, especially in uniform, are starting to understand that we need to make the shift from, uh, a, a, from a joint fighting force that operates with pieces of spectrum. To a joint fighting force that is within the spectrum. As I made my comments, as I said my comments yesterday, it's uh, not unlike uh, the the manner in which uh, a submarine uh, negotiates the the ocean is is within the ocean, right? Our radios, radars, jamming systems, C2, space, and even some our uh, cyber apertures are within the EMS, and so. Uh, I, I heard it best a few years back when a uh, actually a Navy Lieutenant Commander, when he was fielding a question, he stood up and he said, "Well, you know, we're all in two domains: the one that matches our uniform and the electromagnetic spectrum." So I think uh, General Highnote's comments really, really uh, underscore that, and and he actually provides a great legacy. And
0: and the notion of legacy is is very important because it's it's one thing when we talk about advocacy and the electromagnetic spectrum; it's one thing to adopt that ag- advocacy, but uh, General Highnote actually. Has fought in the spectrum his, his throughout his career. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because you, you, you're very familiar with his legacy that he's brought to the Air Force.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, was, uh, I was I was I uh, was an admirer of the man already for his position the things he's done, the responsibilities he have. You know, only just the portion of those responsibilities they can speak about are fascinating. But of course, he's got, he's compromised in his position that a lot of the the uh, special things that are going on are, are things that he can't he can't talk about. But one thing that came to light again today was that. Uh, he was a, a Weasel pilot, right? And uh, uh, F-4 and F-4G uh, Weasel pilot, right? So, so that that's kind of a big deal. That's uh, that's our uh, that's one of our key legacies, and uh, one of the one of the last vestiges of kind of traditional, you know full press, completely, you know, uh, electromagnetic attack coming out of the the Vietnam era and and through the uh, Desert Storm. And so he knows from personal
0: experience where we've been and where we've come since then and then some of the gaps that have been,
1: we've talked about for decades here. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's in an interesting position. Uh, uh, It's a trifecta, I want to say right now. He's in an interesting position because he is at senior executive pay grades. So he's got an outsized influence. He's got skin in the game. Because he was a weasel pilot and was in in uh, in conflict, right? And then he's a member of this. He's a member of this larger family that's just trying to get warfighting done. And I think that provides an individual, you know, excellent for the air force and excellent for the joint force to the extent that his uh, his innovative uh, uh, wishes can uh, can can populate and inform the future force on innovation. Let me uh, let me mention uh, one or two things that he brought up, right? So he's he's not just attacking the and this is fascinating to me so he's not just attacking the fact that we generically need innovation he's questioning the the state of innovation right the entire sphere of innovation how can we decompose this understand it and then put it back together in such a way that the technology we want is not uh, impeded or, or or obstructed by the cultures that we face every day how do we how do we how do we take apart how do we decompose those cultural obstacles and predispose or induce the air force and then by extension the department of defense to innovate against its uh, its old legacy interests. And
0: that that was actually one of the things we talked about in the podcast because we we I've heard this through with some of the other interviews we've had the the importance of uh, it was brought to us, you know, like the importance of embedding warfighters with the technologists and the innovators, but it also works the other way where we, if we could embed the technologists with the warfighters and let them see how we fight on the edge. Yeah. He, and, and,
1: and, and that picture can actually open up all the possibilities that we want. Absolutely, what we need to do. absolutely. This is a uh, he. He referred to this as he. He pointed to the left and right sides of his brain. You know, he say that we, as humans, prefer you know, we're right-handed or left-handed. We prefer one side. As cultures, if they're if they're fluid, like the commercial uh, market, or if they're hierarchical and less fluid, perhaps like the military uh, ethos. Right, we prefer one side or the other. He said we need to be ambidextrous. Right. Uh, We need to bring military and commercial innovation together to experience each other and not only to uh, to constantly and relentlessly populate the uh, system engineering and development cycle with operational expertise, but also make sure that the department is walking in lockstep with with uh, with uh, with commercial entities who provide some of these magic toys that we that we use. Thank you for that, Judge. Our final two sessions focused on five G networks and building the future all-domain force. How do these uniquely relate to MSO, and are we on the right path? What are some obstacles and opportunities in front of us moving into twenty twenty two? Well, um, uh, one of the things that I uh, that I that I love and I um, that that challenge us, I think, about the uh, the AOC uh, annual symposia are that uh, there is so much rich content and so many different um, complementary but distinct discussions that sometimes they're placed, you know, right next to each other right so i'm only one person i can only be in one place at once and i I, my my attention span is like a goldfish right so if i if i get up from one session and walk into another sample five minutes come back like a wine tasting i'll i'll pick up exactly nothing so what i did was i made the hard choice as much as i know that 5g is an amazingly important topic and working in dod cio as i do as as a contract support I have some, some views on that. Uh, um, I, was in the, uh, I was actually in the Building Future MSo session, so I got to hear uh, uh, Dr. Conley in that, in, that, in that panel, right? What I will say about 5G is that, uh, very quickly, just uh, as a generic comment, is that it provides great, outstanding uh, commercial uh, opportunities for providing more benefit uh, with the new uh, technology, perhaps at the same cost and the same infrastructure cost. As a military application, I would say only that we need to probably go uh, a bit cautiously, because um, one of my theses has been that systems that are designed for compliance environments, for commercial environments, for civil environments that only have to tolerate routine congestion, are not always the best systems in Toto to be uh, to be uh, included or to be incorporated. In the chaotic, dynamic, escalatory, de-escalatory, pseudo-random environments of combat, that don't have that basic, uh, that that underlying compliance, uh, that underlying compliance characteristic. So, I think as we uh, as uh, we certainly will, because of the beam shaping, bandwidth, high technology, high bandwidth, high technologies that five G and and subsequently six G provide us. I think we need to be. Uh, I think we need to be. Uh, 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 Distinct, uh, distinct, and specific, and discriminatory with respect to what portions of the technologies that we repurpose into military capabilities to make sure that we pick the meat out of the soup. We get all the good illities out of it, and we don't inadvertently ingest the bad illities. Right? Because I've always said, if you you hand a soldier an iPhone, then you give them great capability, low price point, very great flexibility, apps, and all that kind of good stuff, and you just solve the targeting problem down to 30 megahertz. Right? So you don't you don't want to you don't want to cause a problem by trying to avoid another. That being said, 5G is a uh, uh, brilliant technology, and again, I support the DoD CIO fully on uh, trying to uh, um, trying to mature it for uh, exercise use and for for training uh, for training use and uh, at home station. On the building future AMSO session, there was a great deal of uh, of technical discussion. Not being an engineer myself, they were able to express fairly complicated uh, concepts and and ideas and approaches in such a way that they were still available to everyone. You know, so you know, they didn't hurt us with any math. Thank God there's not a whiteboard in that room. That would have been disastrous, right? But uh, there was an outstanding, uh, highly technical discussion. Uh, one of the things that they brought up at the outset was um, Moore's law always comes up. It's a staple. It's like rice. I mean, you, it's always going to come up. And that is, of course, the uh, um, the the doubling in capacity of transistors every, uh, aboard a, a transistor every 18 months. But the, the group, the panel, uh, the expert panel that was up on stage mentioned a corollary to that, uh, which is supported by uh, GTRI from data that goes all the way back to 1990, that power, computing power, also doubles in 18 months, right? And that's a, that is a that mul- is a multiplicative effect, at least a geometric effect on the Moore's law, uh, number of transistors that you can, you know, n- a number of circuits you can get aboard, a, transistors you can get aboard a, a chip, right? And then Dr. Conley, Bill Conley, a good friend of mine, offered that AI machine learning abilities double every three point five months. So think about that. You could you could buy something. You could buy an advanced piece of equipment, put it into service exercise your force get them ready for the fight and then by the time they go to the fight you've already decremented the uh, the net capability of your force based upon what a peer adversary could buy and field with a shorter lead length of, uh, of acquisition so that's something that we need to consider these things aren't out there uh just irritating us they are collaboratively irritating us in a non-linear yeah. fashion and i think we need to we need to keep and, that
0: and that, that that's going to continue to exponentially increase i mean that it that's is. uh and, and so, when, as we look forward, did, were they able to offer any solutions? Uh, how, how do how do we have to think differently about that than to address it? Because otherwise, uh, one one of the one of our my interviews with you, we end up shooting behind the duck all the time, right? Right. And right. and, and how, how how do we change that moving yes. forward? Yes.
1: You know, well, what I've always said since I was a young child is, you can't skate to the puck if you're shooting behind the duck. I actually never said that. That's just something I'm making up right now. So, that sounded good. <laughs> I'll write it down. It, 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 it'll go down in lore on, on From the Kresner, so <laughs> it, 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 It'll go down somewhere for sure. <laughs> in any event, so to answer your question, um, uh, this is a really complex problem. And, and Bill, Dr. Connolly said a while back, you know, kind of jokingly, but he, he meant it, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of life is so sad that it's funny that it took us 25 years to get into our current situation. You know, we're not going to get out in the weekend. It's complicated and it's complex. And so what the group offered was, to discuss a generous range of kind of fundamental uh, building blocks of EMSO systems. They went into deeply into FPGAs, the, you know, the, the advance of broadband capabilities, dynamic polarization, GAN, gallium, gallium nitride uh, circuitry to replace the old gallium arsenide circuitry, right? The blurring line between hardware and software. When things are software definable, right, what parts of the actual hardware become software definable? So that line is blurring, and that's, that's actually something that we can use. That's a dynamic that we can leverage, Right. And then uh, the, you know, the the stressing needs for data, uh, data storage and featuring, you know, to provide it to people, hyperscale and hyperscale computing in the cloud. All of these things are tools that we can apply innovative mindsets to and a collaborative approach to to uh, uh, to to kind of um, not remediate because you're not going to make those dynamics that we just mentioned go away. But you know, the rising tide that floats all boats, all peer forces are faced with some version of the same problems. So, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the slowest person running away from the bear, right, to, to, to say it, right? So, so then they moved kind of toward the end to uh, how to compose these, all of those building blocks into composite force capabilities. And that was a that was a key way of kind of uh, moving the uh, moving the conversation forward. All right. Uh, so
0: so our, our closing session today was... Uh, our closing session today was Mr. Terry Mitchell. He's the principal cyber advisor in the, with the uh, secretary of the Army. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked a lot about the Air Force today and right. we opened up with General Hinode. Uh You know, what, what are some of your thoughts on how the Army
1: is handling uh, some of these issues uh, moving forward? Uh, mm-hmm. for- Certainly. Um- uh, well, I'm a, a retired Air Force officer, but I was uh, uh, I was uh, graced with the opportunity to deploy with Army a great number of times. Uh, growing up in uh, Air Force Special Operations, we uh, we had the opportunity to work with elite forces and uh, um, elite Army forces and, and joint forces. And and then being in Iraq as a chief of electronic warfare uh, during the 2006 time frame under uh uh, Lieutenant General, uh, uh, Corelli, I was deployed with, uh, you know, general purpose army forces. And since that time I have been watching a, uh, a, a slow, uh, evolution because, uh, the only change that's important is change at the speed of culture. Uh, army is a very, uh, army is a very, uh, uh, a deep and profound, uh, culture as, as, as far as cultures go. Uh, um, and the way that they have uh, the way that they have incorporated cyber is in a blended sort of way. So each of the services have a characteristic performance dynamic. I mean, you know, the Navy, uh, you know, is is uh, in, it has a deep blue characteristic, right? And that, that leads them to look at the EMS a certain way. The Air Force is, you know, moving uh, at, you know, between 250 and 650 knots to the sky in formations. That leads them to look at things a certain way. The Army is large, uh, powerful, uh, not stationary, but kind of concentrated in space. And that, that causes them, I think, endemically to see the opportunities and the challenges as a subset of everything that we need to look at with, with respect to the EMS, and then the connectivity that, uh, and the C3, that uh, command control and communications that is provided by cyber. And then of course there's an offensive aspect that you can add to that, we can go into that all day. But their blended approach to it with SEMA allows them to optimize their capability development and their concept development in such a way that they take the pieces of the EMS Um, uh, mostly in the RF, but not entirely. And then the pieces of cyberspace that they need to ensure connectivity to to bring force to bear, that's actually fairly sophisticated and tailored to their individual needs. And they've been actually doing a very good job of it, in my opinion. Uh, So what are your closing thoughts on AOC 2021? Not simply the symposium theme and topics, but the overall experience. Well... Man, I'm the wrong person to ask if you want a balanced answer to that. I love this. I love this. I I look forward to this every year. I love it this year. It's tremendous. Uh, the, The staff did a brilliant job of generating the illusion that COVID didn't happen. Um, and that's one of the, uh, one of the most amazing, uh, I've heard a long time ago that the, 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 best job you can possibly do is when you don't even look like you're doing your job. And, uh, this, we didn't miss a beat. Yeah. I, I'm so proud as a board member of uh, how this is going.
0: Our, our numbers are just as strong as they were in 2019. So it, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to basically close that
1: chapter now right. and say, okay, now here, here we are moving forward. Right, right, right. And you know, the AOC always, uh, always hates closing a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> little joke there for everybody. So, uh, so there's a confluence of things here. And I think that people need to take note of, right? So again, I work in DOD CIO and we, we helped, uh, uh and I was aboard the MSO CFT cross-function team. So we helped write the, uh, EMS superiority strategy. And you know, was there when they were, uh, putting together the implementation plan that's going across the uh, United States department of defense for realizing the vision of freedom of action in the electromagnetic spectrum in the times and places of our choosing so we have venues like this, the venue like this, right? This annual symposium is is the pinnacle of of this discussion, these people, and this community of practice. We're very well represented here. At the same time that the narrative that we have been trying to uh, champion and advocate for coming up as young officers and you know recent retirees from the bottom up now is being wholly uh, it's being adopted wholesale at the highest. uh, Pay grades, and they're not—you know—they're not talking about other issues. And oh, by the way, let me mention EMS. They are focusing their conversations on EMS superiority, the strategic need for it, and the fact that it is a physical precursor to success in the other uh, physical domains: airland, airland, space, and uh, and and uh, sea. Right. So, that's kind of a big deal. I love the show. It is a brilliant version of what it wants to be. It is, doesn't miss a step from the last time we had the opportunity to do this, notwithstanding the pandemic that happened in between. And it is perfectly aligned with the narrative of our most senior executives in the Department of Defense. So. This is a great time. It's a great time to be a Crow. It's a great time to be an AOC member.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Judge, for joining us here on Show Daily here to close out AOC 2021. Um, And thank you, Tala, for co-hosting this episode with me. And thank you for doing the Show Daily yesterday with us. Yes, very special Thank you so much, Ken. Well, that will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest and our Show Daily episode. To learn more about From the Crow's Nest podcast, please visit us on our website at crows.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening.